It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? It is good to be mask optional. Amen? And can I get a woot woot for the donuts? Man, people were taking pictures of the donuts today. Come on, man. I want to see somebody take a picture of me while I'm up here. I am so excited. We are starting a new series today, and the series is called Acts, Living Life with Your Hair on Fire. And next week, we're going to be doing a demonstration that is going to make it eminently clear (laughs) why we are calling it Living Life with Your Hair on Fire. Um, And don't worry, if you come next week, I'll be in charge. So there's a, you know, pretty good chance we're not going to burn down the building. We're going to have people on stage from San Antonio Fire Department. (laughs) So you can be really sure nobody's going to get serious, seriously injured uh, during this thing. And you know what? If we do burn down the building, then we're going to take that as a sign from God that it's time for a bigger building. Amen. And in fact, I'll say whether we burn the building down or not, if you happen to know someone that's got about 20 acres with 281 access, um, give me a call. And we will hook them up with free donuts for life. Because that's the way we roll at CBCB. Anyway, um, the series is going to be exciting. Um, I think it, it, it may be challenging. It's going to be a little different. The way I'm going about preparing for it is different, and different is always weird, right? And different is a little bit scary. So this might be just a little um, dangerous, and I'm not really sure exactly how it's going to go. But a great godly friend of mine once said that the worst decisions often make for the best stories. So we're going to go with that. (laughs) Okay, we're just going to step out in faith, and I really want to encourage you to come. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be a little bit different, and it's going to be at least reasonably safe. So we're going to be looking at what I think is maybe one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible, uh, a book of the Bible that people kind of tend to stay away from, uh, a book of the Bible that tends to be a little divisive and cause some kind of questions to come up and even some arguments to come up. We're going to be digging into the book of Acts And we're going to be looking for some life lessons. And we're going to see some really great examples. And we're going to see some really bad examples. But what we're going to see is what Joy mentioned a few minutes ago. We're going to see the power of Jesus not only with people, but in people. And we're going to see what it looks like to live with that power in us. So today we're really basically just laying a little bit of groundwork on the book of Acts. I know a lot of people are not super familiar with it. Um, Acts is a, man, really fascinating book in the Bible. It's a really empowering book in the Bible. And it's actually part two of a two-part biblical mini-series about Jesus. Uh, Part one is the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke tells us all the stuff that Jesus did while he was here, while he was walking around on earth with the disciples. And that's the Gospel of Luke. And part two is the book of Acts. And that tells us all the stuff Jesus did through the disciples and through the church after he went back to heaven. Um, Both of those books in that little mini-series were written by a a guy named Luke. Um, Luke was a friend of Paul and a friend of Mark. Um, He was a doctor. He was kind of a historian. He was a real um, details person. 
And when we read the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke was all about getting the numbers right and getting the specifics right. Um, interesting thing, he was a Jesus follower, but Luke probably never met Jesus in person. So that's kind of an interesting thing. So you think, well, how did he come up with this story then? And again, he was kind of a historian. He was a, he was a digger. He was a facts guy. And so what he did was he just, when he started following Jesus, he just got really determined to know the truth and to know the whole story and to get that story right for his friend, Theophilus. And so he investigated and he went to the places where Jesus had been and he talked to the people that had been with Jesus and he interviewed eyewitnesses and he wrote down what he learned, and that's where the Gospel of Luke comes from. And listen how the Gospel of Luke starts. So this is part one of the mini-series before we get to the book of Acts, which is part two. Uh, Luke 1, verse 1. So this is Luke writing, and he says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us, and they used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. And now in parentheses, Luke says, But they're not as good as me. Right? These people wrote it down. They've, they, I know there's lots of stories floating around out there, and there's a lot of people that have written down about Jesus, but I'm telling you, I am going to get it right. So he says in verse 3, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account. He doesn't trust anybody, right? Uh, to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be sure of the truth of everything that you were taught. Um, we don't really know much about Theophilus. We don't really know hardly anything about him. His name comes up a couple of times. Maybe he was just a friend of Luke's, or maybe he was a new believer, or maybe he was somebody that Luke was mentoring. Some people think Theophilus may have been like a financial backer of the early church, of the Jesus movement, and this was Luke just giving him an update, you know, on kind of how this whole thing got started. Um, Theophilus is actually a Greek name, and it means someone who loves God or someone who is loved by God or a friend of God. So some people think that the word Theophilus implies to us that he wrote this for us, that it's just like an open letter for everybody that loves God, for everybody who is loved by God, for everybody who is a friend of God. And that, I mean, maybe that's why his name was Theophilus, but it seems like he really was a real historical guy named Theophilus, and he had heard about Jesus from lots of different sources, and now Luke wants to make sure that Theophilus and that we get the story right. He was a real stickler for getting the story right. So that's how Luke chapter 1 starts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, which is where we're going, Luke says, in my first book, which was what? Thank you very much, Howard. I'm Somebody was paying attention. The first book was the Gospel of Luke. And he says, in the first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And so now the book of Acts is going to be what happened next. It's going to be all about the New Testament church. And important for us to understand this, we are the continuation of the New Testament church, right? That church that started in Acts, that's us. That's our grandparents, right? That's our, that's our Christian ancestors. That's the beginning of our church. So I'm just, I'm really excited about this series and how it's gonna go, and I don't know how it's gonna go. Um, if, you, if you know me, Margaret will tell you, I mean, I am planning sermons 
a year from now, right? I am researching stuff that we're gonna do six months from now, and I am determined not to do that this time. We are gonna go week by week, and we're gonna see what the Holy Spirit leads us to and what he wants to show us, and that's what we're gonna do. And I don't know exactly how that's gonna go. Okay, I'm a little bit of a planner, and so uh, we're gonna see what's gonna happen. But I have great expectations of what's gonna happen in this church through this series. Great expectations. You know that feeling? Great expectations. Uh, something's gonna happen, and I know it's gonna be good, and I'm not sure what it is. And that's almost like better, right? That almost makes it more exciting that we don't know exactly what it's gonna look like. You remember when you were a kid and you were waiting for Christmas? And like, I mean, I don't know exactly what's in those presents. I don't know exactly what's under that tree, but I know my parents know well enough to know it's gonna be good. And it's almost better that you don't know what's in the packages. It's like, I don't know what it is, but I know it's gonna be awesome, right? There's, there's, there's this anticipation slash anxiety, right, about how this all works together. Uh, you know that feeling on a first date, right? I mean, maybe she's the one, right? Maybe we'll fall in love and we'll get married and we'll buy a little house with a yellow front door and a white picket fence and 1.2 children and a dog named Barkley and we'll live happily ever after. Or maybe I'll have like crazy gas during the date <laughs> and I'll never see her again. <laughs> Anything's possible. But for now, we're hopeful, right? And we're just not exactly quite sure how things are gonna go. When you went away to college, right? When you joined the military, when you started a new school, you had the same feeling, right? These expectations. Right, when you move to a new city, right, I, I don't know exactly, I kinda sorta know how it's gonna go and I know it's gonna be good, but I don't know exactly what it's gonna be like. And that, that little bit of unknown, that little bit of scary makes it better. It makes it more fun, it makes it more exciting. When you got married, when you had a baby, when you started a new job, there's this crazy excitement and, and, and looking forward, and, and it's more exciting. It's not, it's not less exciting, it's more exciting because you don't know what to expect and it's super fun and you're super excited and you're a little unsure and you're really pumped and you're really amped but you're a little bit anxious. That's the feeling. You know, it's like, I know I want it. I know I want it. And I know it's gonna be great. And I know I wanna get the most out of it. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it tastes like. I don't know what it's gonna be like. And I'm suggesting to you that leading up to the book of Acts, that's probably exactly what the disciples felt. That's exactly the feeling that they had. Jesus told them this. He was like playing with them. He's like teasing them. He's like, I'm gonna go away, but I'm gonna be back. But it's not gonna be me, it's gonna be somebody else. But it's gonna be me, but it's not gonna be me. But I'm gonna be back, but I'm going away. And the disciples' heads are just like spinning. What is he even talking about? And you know they're excited. Anytime Jesus got excited, you know they got excited. And they had seen miracles, and they had heard his amazing teaching, and they had been called by God, and now they've seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so clearly, they're excited. But they weren't sure exactly what was coming. They weren't sure exactly who was coming. They knew it was gonna be great. They didn't know what it was gonna be. And Jesus gave them like some hints 
And I really, I, I feel like he was almost teasing him. Look at this, uh, John 14, verse 16. He just told him he was gonna leave, right? He says, um, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, and the world doesn't receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you will know him because he lives with you now, and later he will be in you. I mean, do you think the disciples knew what the heck he was talking about? I don't think they did. He, he will be in you. He's with you now, but he will be in you. Right? It's like a little riddle that he gave him. He said he was going away, but that God was going to send this advocate. Maybe your Bible calls him the comforter. Right? Who is it? It's the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and Jesus said, I'm going away, but the Holy, that God is going to send this advocate, this comforter, the Holy Spirit, in my place, and he is going to lead you into truth. And that's exciting, but it's also kind of vague and a little bit maybe even confusing. And then Jesus, I mean, he's, he's getting him excited, but he's painting an accurate picture. He's not lying to him. He's, he's not blowing smoke. He's very straight with him. Look at John 16, 1. He says, I told you these things so you won't abandon your faith. So this is like the worst pep talk in history, right? It's like it's going to get so awful that you're gonna wanna quit, right? I know you're excited now, but it's fixing to get so ugly and so awful out there that you're gonna wanna abandon your faith. Look what he says, verse two. You're gonna be expelled from the synagogues. The time is coming when those who kill you will think that they're doing a holy service for God. So Jesus is basically saying, it's about to get awful. It's about to get so tough for Christians that people are gonna hate you, people are gonna try to kick you out of the church, people are gonna cancel you, people are gonna try to kill you, uh, but you can't give up. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how horrible it gets, no matter how bloody it gets, oh, and yeah, by the way, I'm leaving. So you can imagine you know, the taste in their mouth, what are they thinking? They're thinking, no, right, don't leave. We waited our whole life for you. Our people have waited 1,500 years for you to come, and now finally you're here. Finally the Messiah has come, the Savior has come, our friend has come, our teacher, our provider, our protector is finally with us, and now we've left our homes, and we've left our jobs, and we've left our families to follow you, and you've taught us, and you've fed us, and you protected us, and you did miracles with us, and now it's fixing to get hard, don't leave now don't leave us now we need you more than ever now and then Jesus says probably the craziest thing in three years that they had ever heard from him John 16 7 he says actually in fact he says it's best for you if I go away it's it's best for you if I go away because if I don't then the advocate won't come and if I do go away then I'll send him back to you and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Jesus is saying the coming of this advocate, the coming of this comforter, the coming of this Holy Spirit is better than having Jesus with you in person. And so the disciples have great expectations, right? How amazing must this new guy be Right? If Jesus leaving and him coming is what's best for us. And so they're thinking, well, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to experience him. I can't wait to get to know him and see what is meant by his leading and his conviction and his teaching and his empowerment. These are incredible expectations. 
And I think they might have even been a little better because they didn't know exactly who the advocate was or what the comforter was. It's like, well, who is this advocate? And how long do we have to wait? We waited 1,500 years for Jesus. How long do we have to wait for him? And what's he going to look like? And how are we going to know him? Is he going to have a red carnation? You know, what's going to be the, how are we going to know that it's him? And how is he going to teach us better than Jesus did? How is he going to lead us better than Jesus did? And how is he going to produce good fruit? What does that even mean, right? How is he going to produce good stuff coming out of us? How is he going to convict us? And probably the big question, how is he going to give us power? How's that going to happen? Because, you know, most of the time when Jesus was there, he was doing the stuff, and they were just kind of along for the ride. And now Jesus is saying, oh, he's going to give you the power. So they know it's going to be amazing because Jesus said so. But they're not sure exactly what's going to happen. I think they had great expectations. So that's enough about them. Let's talk about us for a minute. I don't know what your walk with Jesus looks like. I mean, there's a bunch of people in here, and probably every one of us have a little bit different walk with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you just started walking with Jesus. Maybe you got saved last week at our Easter service, and this is, you're, you're just starting into this walk, and you have no idea what to expect, but you know it's going to be awesome. You have great expectations. Or maybe you've been a believer, but now you're feeling this like it's a new start, Right? Somehow you're having like a, 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 a revival, a, a, a renovation, a reboot or something in your spirit and you just feel like, I don't know, it just seems like things are starting over for me. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it feels like I'm, maybe he has even a better life for me that I'm kind of walking into, I'm kind of like turning that page into chapter two now and I'm kind of moving on to this better life that he has for me. Or maybe, maybe you've been okay with Jesus but you've always wondered if there was more. Maybe you've always known I'm going to heaven, right? But I just wonder if there's something higher. I wonder if there's something better. I wonder if I'm not experiencing the best. Have you ever had that feeling that you ordered the full meal deal and all you got was a sandwich? Have you ever wondered if maybe there was more? Have you ever thought, you know, as a Christian, man, I'm super happy that I'm going to heaven, but, you know, when I signed up, I was told there was going to be leading and that there was going to be wisdom and that there was going to be power and that there was going to be fruit. What, I mean, when does that start, right? When, when do I get the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? When does all that stuff start kicking in? So wherever you are in your walk, maybe in your walk with Jesus is awesome, but you're thinking, so was theirs, right? How awesome was Peter's walk with Jesus, right? And Jesus said to Peter, you know what? It's even better. Maybe you have an amazing walk with Jesus, but you're saying, man, if there's something that Jesus thinks is even better for me, better than hanging out with Jesus all the time, better than hearing his teaching all day, better than seeing miracles every day. If Jesus has something even better than this, I want to experience that life. But it's a little scary because I don't exactly know what to expect. You know, what, what is that life and, and, and how does it work? And everybody's talking about power all the time, you know? What does that even, what does that look like? And where do I get it? And who is this 
advocate that Jesus said was so great that it was better for us to be with him than with Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what the disciples were feeling when Jesus went back to heaven. And that's kind of where we are now in this series, right? We have great expectations to see what we can learn and to see what we can experience and to see how we can be changed by this amazing book of Acts. And maybe we're a little unsure about what in the world it's all about. And if that's where you are, then that is okay, man. If you've never read it, a lot of people, all they've ever read is chapter two, right? That's the famous chapter. And maybe you've never even read chapter two. Maybe you had no idea what the book of Acts is all about. That's why we're doing this. So even though we don't know exactly what to expect as we go forward, Jesus said it would be awesome. So we should have, we should have great expectations. And I'm telling you, this is a great place to be as we start this series. I'm excited, but I don't know exactly what's going to, that's a great place to be as we're starting this series. And that is a great way to live your life. Eager and excited and, and joyful and passionate and looking forward with great excitement and eager anticipation just because Jesus said it was going to be awesome. Right? Just because he's, even though we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, that's, that's the faith life, right? That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus, to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I don't know where he's taking me, and I don't know what the trip's going to look like, but I'm going. And I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to it. This is the, the picture I love of this, this walk following Jesus, is like I'm going to step out in faith, and I don't know exactly what my foot is going to land on, right? But I'm taking the step. I'm excited, I'm anticipating, I know something good is waiting for me, but I don't know exactly what it's gonna be like. That's faith. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. That's what all the heroes in the Bible did, right? That's what Noah did when God said, built the ark. He didn't know what it was gonna be like. He didn't know what was gonna happen. His neighbors all said he was crazy, but God told him to build this big old boat. So in faith, listen, Noah had never seen a flood before. A lot of people think Noah had never seen rain before. And God said, build a boat because water is going to fall from the sky. It's like telling us your pipes are going to freeze in San Antonio. Right? So, what? That's unheard of, right? It's like water is going to fall from the sky, and it's going to flood the whole world. That's crazy. And Noah said, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. The neighbors are saying, what are you doing with the cost of lumber? What are you doing building this giant? What are you thinking? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. God told me to build this boat, man. What am I doing? I'm stepping out, man. I don't, know what's, I don't know what's down there, but I'm stepping out. That's what Abraham did. What did God say to Abraham? He said, leave your home. Leave this big family ranch. Leave your family and all your money and all the stuff that you've got there and go to a place that I will show you. He didn't even tell him where he was going, right? But even, even as he was going out, he said, you start walking and I'll tell you where to go. And a lot of us think we have great faith because we say, God, you just tell me where to go and I'll start walking. And real faith is saying, I'm gonna start walking, God, and I'm gonna depend on you to show me where I'm gonna go. I'm telling you, moving day, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He'd already turned off his utilities. He took his kid out of school. They had packed all their boxes. The moving trucks were packed and the drivers are going, what are we doing, boss? And Abraham said, ah, start driving, right? And do you see how that worked out for him? He became the father of God's nation of people, the father of our faith. 
because he stepped out in faith. He was excited, man. He knew it was going to be God, good because God said so. But he didn't know where he was going. That's what David did. When David walked out against Goliath, he took on something that he knew he couldn't handle. David picked a fight that he knew he couldn't win alone. But he had faith. God told him to do it. That's all he needed to know. He knew it was going to be great. He didn't know how that was going to turn out. But he knew it was going to be great because God said so. You know, the Bible said he had such great expectations that David ran onto the battlefield to face Goliath. It's great expectations. That's being excited about God, what God is telling us to do, even if we don't know exactly where it's going to land us. That's what Peter and the apostles did. This man walks up to them and says, follow me, right? The book of Isaiah tells us he wasn't a special-looking man. He wasn't, I've got bad news, ladies. It wasn't Jim Caviezel, okay? It wasn't some great-looking guy. He didn't have a yellow ring above his head. He wasn't like 12 feet tall or floating through the clouds. Just a, just a man walked up and said, follow me. And they said, man, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what we're going. I don't know what's going to happen when we get there. But I'm going to follow you. I believe you when you say it's going to be awesome. And I don't need to know what the details look like. That's what faith looks like. That's what following Jesus looks like. It's stepping out to follow Jesus. It's really literally just taking that step, not knowing where the foot is going to land. And the next level of faith is to go there and take that step, not timidly and not scared and not, you know, with trepidation. trepidation. It's, it's, it's not going with the fear of the unknown, but it's going in the confidence and the excitement that it's going to be awesome because Jesus said it was going to be awesome. It's, it's knowing that God has something amazing for me to do. God has something awesome for me to experience. God has someone amazing for me to become just because Jesus said so. So, let's go into this thing with great expectations. Let's go into this thing as we dive into the book of Acts, and we're not gonna go very far today, man. We're just, we're just kind of setting the table today. But let's go into this thing saying, man, I think God is gonna do something awesome. I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know what it's gonna taste like. I don't know what it's gonna be like, but I think God is calling us to do something amazing. Let's just step out there and see where our foot lands. So let's, let's, let's take a, a tiny step today, okay? Let's just start in chapter one of the book of Acts, and let's just read a short passage and see what we see, okay? Uh, chapter one, Luke is writing. This is Acts chapter one. So in the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and then Acts. Acts one, one. He says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, this is the second mention of this name in the Bible. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his, cho his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once, verse 4 says, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you that gift he promised you before, as I told you before. What is the gift? It's the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm telling you, what was going through their heads right then, right? John baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, who is me, but not really me, but kind of me, but not really me, 
Can you imagine? Their, their heads are spinning, I'm telling you. Verse six, so here's how confused they were. When the apostles were with him, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse seven, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Verse eight, I love, but you will receive power. Say that with me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So Jesus is like laid it out for him, right? And, and he, he's calling them and he's calling us to reach the world with his message. But I think it's interesting that he tells them they have to wait for the Holy Spirit. So you're gonna do this incredible thing, you're gonna change the whole world. All of eternity is gonna be changed and God's gonna use you to bring that change about, but hang on, right? Stay here in Jerusalem. They have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and give them power. Isn't that interesting? These are guys that were hand-picked by Jesus. He could have come at any time in history. He came then. He could have picked anybody on the planet. He picked them, right? They've been hand-picked by Jesus. They've been taught by Jesus all day, every day for three years. They've got on-the-job training, man. They were there picking up the fishes and the loaves. They were there when people were being raised from the dead and blind people were seeing. They were there. They had the experience. They had the education. They had the qualifications, and yet Jesus said, that's not gonna be enough. You're gonna need power. So you need to stay here and wait till the Holy Spirit comes. And so while they were waiting, they decided to do a little, like, apostle business because after he betrayed Jesus, Judas went out and killed himself. And so now they're shorthanded, right? And so they decided they needed to get somebody else to replace him. And an interesting process that they used to choose who number 12 was gonna be. Um, they nominated a couple of guys, uh, Joseph and Matthias. And the Bible says they cast lots to decide between them. And that was, that's interesting to me that that's how they were gonna, how are we gonna hear from God? Which is it? Is it Joseph or is it Matthias? How are we gonna decide? Let's cast lots. And that's how God is gonna speak to us. And that was like a traditional thing, um, like flipping a coin, right? Like you might say, God, please speak to me. I got the coin on my thumb right now. If you want me to start serving in kids ministry every single Sunday, let it be heads. And if it's only every other Sunday, Miss Andrea said, hallelujah. <laughs> if it's only every other Sunday, God, just let it be tails. This is how you're gonna speak to me, right? This is like I know some people have told me that they decided about tithing and giving to the church. And it's like, God, I don't know if you want me to do that. Is that an Old Testament concept? Do you want me to have more freedom or do you want me to be more generous? What do you want from me? And so I just want you to speak to me right now. So what I'm gonna do is I've got some dice and I just, holy dice, I'm shaking them before you, Lord, right? And I'm gonna throw them, and Lord, if you want me to start giving to the church, let it be double sevens, because <laughs> here I am, send me, Jesus, I'm ready. And they throw the dice, and it's like, well, you know, God has spoken, nothing I can do. So that, that's, that's like the magic eight ball, right? This, this is just their way of saying, God, I wanna hear from you, so speak to me. And it wasn't sinful, and it wasn't wrong. In fact, God tells them in the Old Testament lots of times. He said, hey, cast the lots, and I'll speak to you, and I'll tell you what I want you to do. Seventy times in the Bible we see people saying, I want to hear from God. I want to know what he wants me to do, so we're going to cast lots. 
And probably the way they do it, we don't know, they didn't have the magic eight ball or whatever. It probably was something to do with like sticks or rocks. Like they'd take a, you know, a black rock and a white rock, right? This is Joseph, this is Matthias. They put them both in a box, they shake it all up, they throw it out, whichever one comes out first. Oh, it's Joseph. That's, that's how they made that decision. And there's nothing wrong with the way they made that decision. All through the Bible, people make decisions. I wanna hear from God, I'm gonna cast lots and he's gonna speak to me. But this is the last time that that happens in the Bible. This is the last time that God's people flipped a coin or used a magic eight ball or cast lots to hear from God. Why? They probably didn't know why. They probably didn't know it was the last time. But now looking backwards, we can see why. Because now God was coming as the advocate. God was coming as the counselor. God was going to be with them, among them, in them. God was going to be able to speak directly to his people. They didn't need to put out fleeces. They didn't need to flip coins. They didn't need to cast lots. They could just ask the advocate. I want you to consider for a moment what that means, that we have the ability. The advocate coming means they and we can actually hear from God. Can you dig it? Man, that is awesome. We can hear from God. You know, my dad passed away years and years and years ago, and I can't tell you how many times since then I've thought, man, I wish I could just ask him this one thing. That was my dad. He was a smart guy, but he wasn't God. Imagine having access to a perfect father who loves you completely, who has unlimited power, who knows the future, who knows what's best for you, and to be able to go directly to him and ask him a question and hear from him. We don't have to cast lots anymore. He's here. He's with us. He's in us. He can speak to us. So his coming was amazing. And his disciples and his apostles knew that. And they looked forward to it with great expectations. They were ready to know the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate. They were ready to experience him, even though they didn't know what to expect. So they waited, a little nervous, a little unsure, but with great expectations. And just a few days later, he came. And he changed them. And he used them to change the world. And now he wants to change us and use us to change our world. And next week, we're going to start talking about what that looks like. And it's going to be a little weird. And it's going to be a little dangerous. And it's going to be all about Jesus. I can't think of a better way to describe this church. A little weird. A little dangerous. All about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. 
And Lord, today I want to specifically thank you for Luke and what he told us about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and now in the book of Acts as he showed us not just what Jesus did while he was with his disciples and his church, but what he did in his disciples and what he did through his church. And God, we just, man, we want that. We want to be them, right? We want to experience what they experienced and know you like they knew you. We want to impact our world the way that they impacted theirs. And Lord, we know we've seen miracles and we've heard teaching and we've, we've lived our lives up to this point, but man, we are waiting for the power of your spirit. And so Lord, I just pray as we go forward into this thing that you will reveal new truths to us about who you are, that you will, that you will introduce us to the power of the Holy Spirit and not just something that we learn about, not just something that we read about, that this will be something that we experience. God, I pray that through this series and through the book of Acts, you will change us and then you will use us to change the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, homework this week. Start reading the book of Acts. Um, I don't know how far to tell you to go because I'm not sure how far we're gonna go next week, but just start reading the book of Acts. And listen, as you read it, read it with great expectations, right? Not just, oh, some book I'm going to read. This is going to be life-changing if we go into it with the right attitude. So let's look at this thing with great expectations. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. There's still donuts back there.